Welcome back to another episode of Give Me Some Truth. You know, we're supposed to have some new music soon, and... Yeah, I'm not sure where we're at on that. I'm not sure where we're at in the creative process on that. i got to check into that situation. I know how you feel about certain creatives when it comes to stuff like that. They, I, My brain just doesn't work like that, so it doesn't, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's harder for me to understand. It's all about the creative process. It's about the really trust process. Trust the process. <sighs> If you're a 76ers fan, you understand that reference. Um, but if you're creative, you probably wouldn't. So that's fine. Right. Right. The process is there is no process. It's done when it's done. You know, that's the creative process. Yeah. Is that why you can't rush it? Cause you, there's yeah, no, there's no process to rush. Thing. I feel like Dan though has a little bit of both though. Uh, no, you're right. You're very, you're, you're kind of a yeah, deadline yeah, exactly. guy. I mean, you don't yeah, yeah, blow right. through deadlines. Usually Dan's an interesting, he's usually. an interesting creative. He kind of, he, he, uh, he has a foot in, in both camps. If yeah. You will. He's highly analytical, but still comes up with some uh, creative things. Uh, I, I once read that um, Daniel Day-Lewis, just, an, just a criminally underappreciated actor of our generation. Uh, like he, he doesn't like believe in like time or like dates or anything like that. Like he doesn't, like the calendar means nothing to him. He's just like, okay, yep, no, whatever, I don't. I mean, it, I don't know how far you can take something like that. That seems like an odd, like you and I would just, we would lose our mind in about five minutes. You can't just reject. Yeah. Just well, normal he does. Like Apparently that. he does. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know how that works, but he does. I'm sure the directors really appreciate that. He retired. Yeah. Because he probably never could show up <laughs> on time. And the guy's like, I can't work with you anymore. This is so annoying. Danny best, best Daniel day Lewis. I feel like I haven't seen any. Wow. There will be blood is obvious, I think, but there will be blood is phenomenal. Um, although Gangs of New York is, is, Oh, I have seen that. That's a great movie. Fantastic. And I have not seen Lincoln, but people say he was tremendous in Lincoln as well. Kind of awkward looking, but I saw a little bit of apparently it's long and too long for me. I can't, I can't get through that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I think at some point we're going to find out that that Dan's like a civil war buff or like a civil war, like a right. Like some sort of like, like kind of, you're not quite sure why he's interested in it, but it'll just come out that he's very interested in it. I watched the page. It's not civil war. It's revolutionary war, but I watched the Patriot when I had COVID this summer and great movie. Yeah. It was a young Heath Ledger and uh, Mel Gibson, right? Yes. A lot of people just said it was just basically Braveheart, but just fast forwarded to, a little bit in time. Oh, yeah, I suppose. Right. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever watched Braveheart from start to finish. Oh, it's a wonderful movie. Is it good? Yeah, it's really good. I mean, there's certain movies like that. You got to watch Braveheart. And you got to watch, um, you know, you got to watch the Gladiator too. I mean, like. Oh, I've seen the Gladiator. Yeah, the Gladiator yeah. is so good. And that's uh, just like, that's one of the best movies out there. What about 300? Yeah, oh. that's too similar. Too similar. I, I feel like it's the poor man's version of. The Gladiator. Yeah. Clint and I stumbled onto the workout that the uh, some of the people in the movie 300 used. And it is insane. It's like 300 reps. See if you can find that. So I, I'll, that I'll do that, yeah. Like you started the, the workout with like 25 pull-ups. Well, Dan's on this. He's like so like you, you, you started there and then and then you progressed in from there. So like, you know, the average person can't even do 25 pull-ups. So. Talking about Gerard Butler's workout? 
Um, I mean, it's, it has to be the one for that movie. It's called the three hundred. I think it's called off. the three hundred because there's three hundred reps to it, isn't there? I think there was. Yeah, Some, and it's just beyond insane. Pull ups, twenty five reps. Deadlifts with one thirty five, fifty reps. Fifty. Fifty push ups. Fifty twenty four inch box jumps. Oof. Fifty floor wipers. Well, oh, I know is, what those uh, are. Do you holding, know what those are? Holding the bar. You hold the bar, and then you wipe your feet back and oh, forth. Looks, and I'm sure that they have a gif of back it. It and brutal. forth is oh, one, right? Man. Yeah. Uh, clean and press with a 36 pound kettlebell. Kettlebell, sorry, 50 reps of that. <laughs> oh. And then you finish it off with 25 more pull ups. Yeah. And then you puke. Yeah. And then and then <laughs> you no you way. find a bed to lay down in and hope that you uh, somehow recover. They have the adapted version though: fifteen body weight rows, twenty-five body weight squats, fifteen push-ups, fifty jumping jacks, twenty oh, mountain climbers, ten no, close no, grip push-ups, no. fifteen body weight rows. I get that. The same. That's that's too easy. Too easy mm-hmm. for Clint. If, well, no. If I can do it, then it's too easy. Then it's kind of it's like yeah, the modified. The by the way, jumping jacks, worst ever. That's not even an exercise. I I, I was I had like, a debate with my trainer one day. I was like, that's not a real exercise because no. we were supposed to finish this warm up. And, and we do jumping jacks and he's like, your jumping jacks are terrible. I'm like, that's cause they're stupid. What do you even do them for? He said, no, you're not doing the full range of motion. I'm like, okay. And so I did the full range of motion. I'm like, I can't feel anything anyways. It's dumb. It's a cardio thing. That's all it is. Well, what doesn't make sense about it is like that, that statement alone of like, you're not doing it right. There's like, there's no form to a jumping jack. It's, it's, I mean, it, that's kind of ridiculous. Not a fan at all. It's silly. It doesn't. It do your doesn't arms stay bench or are they supposed to be? Out. No, totally they're out. supposed to go out, but like, you know, and then touch like up okay. top. He wanted me to use a greater range of motion when he did it. And I was like, That's I dumb. don't know. And then that trainer left and then no trainers ever talked to me about my jumping jack form. And so I just need to stop doing them. Yeah, it's dumb. But I, I am a, I'm a big, big fan of, I don't know what you, uh, what you categorize or what the name of the category is, but like, like body weight, uh, exercises. You know, where, where you're not using like pull-ups, push-ups, you know, I think you can, you can achieve a, a pretty solid workout, literally just using like, like burpees and things like that. 21 day fix. I did during like early days of COVID, we had like a family zoom workout mm-hmm. that we would do every day. That was probably the best I've been in shape in my life. And it was pretty much the, the highest weight you would have would be like maybe a 12, 15 pound dumbbell. Yeah. But that's it. And I was right. in, I was in great shape. Bodyweight stuff's excellent. I mean, I, I do some of it with my trainer and stuff. I think it's great. I, um, you know, I think that just regular push-ups, if you're doing it right, regular push-ups. Pull-ups are hard. Pull-ups are insanely pull-ups hard. Pull-ups are insanely hard. Um, and and I don't then, think people realize how many varieties of push-ups you can do alone. True. You know, if you hang your feet up on, like, the third step of a staircase and you're doing, you know, in, you know incline yeah. and then decline and then close, you know, like, your fingers are touching. Oh, and the diamond push-up. Diamond oh, push-up. It's brutal. And then you do, like, the really wide ones. And, yeah. You ever I mean, done one off of, so you start with two weight benches next to each other and you start on the weight bench doing, a, like, an incline, upward incline yep. push-up. And then you bring your hands down to the floor. Okay. Oh, my God. Those just kill. Interesting. Your pecs are just going to be destroyed after you're done. Can't even pick up your arms. Yeah. And, uh, you know, even like a box jump. Oh. Technically, like, bo- I mean, I would say that's a body weight exercise, right? Because you're not yeah, putting you're not using anything. Any yeah. Dangerous, yeah. though. I fell off a box upstairs doing that. <laughs> I mean, I didn't fall off any boxes. I wasn't the one in the box upstairs, if anyone from the complex is listening. 
I, I just heard a crash while I was on the uh, the bike. You leave some he, skin he, on the box? No, no. no, no I, I, that one day too. I was fine. It's like, no, yourself. we're done. We're done for the day. I'm like, I'm fine. Just let me get back <laughs> he's on. He's just like, I was just a little tuckered. Not he was a little tuckered out. His ankle was, you know, puffy and. You bounced back actually halfway decent from well, that. Well, that's the same ankle. So it was right around this time last year. We're coming up on the one-year anniversary of me running on the uh, Southwest Bike Path uh, behind the office here and hit one of those walnuts <laughs> with my foot. Oh, man. There was two bikers that came behind me like, are you okay? I'm like, oh, no. Yeah, I'm I'm great. Yeah. Oh, Never no. better. I was just hobbling around. And then I finished the run. I went another probably two miles total after that. Oh. I did like right around a 5K. Sub eight pace, no big deal. No big deal. <laughs> My foot was horribly mangled after that. Good I didn't decision. run again for like a month and a half, probably, but I finished strong. Me too. All about that adrenaline. Should have listened to my body, though. Indeed. Sorry, what are we here to talk about today? Rothify your life. We're here to talk about, you know, what a beautiful day it is. And, you know, the fact that uh, summer's coming to a close. Where we're at right now, and the queen died. The queen died today. Is that big news for the markets? Uh, no, do you think? I mean, I don't think the markets, but it's no, the only thing that happened in the markets related to that, I mean, is that UK like raised their interest rates a bunch. This is true, yeah. Um, trying to stave off that pesky inflation, and we'll see what that means. I mean, obviously, we've been doing that for a while now, but we'll see. We'll see. It's, it'll be interesting to see kind of how all of Europe handles that because, you know, those that participate in the Euro and those that don't. So this will be interesting to see how this plays out. They've not had, obviously we have not had an inflation problem since the Euro started uh, in what, like 96 or seven, I think. Um, so this will be interesting now. See how they handle this. That's right. It's not going to be an easy problem to fix when you have a bunch of countries all tied together. Well, yeah, that's very true. And I think that that was part of the, the Brexit sort of, push to being able to decouple and do, you know, do everything that you want to do by yourself as a country. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that that's, that's a big issue there and, and, you know, certain areas are going to feel inflation more than others. Right. So, you know, and it's not all that every European country is the exact same. So it's all for one foot, one for all sort of phenomenon. I, I don't know. I mean, I, everyone's going to have to get a handle on it. I, I don't see the interest rate increase is stopping anytime soon and i know that that the big consensus when you look at the markets is that next year we're gonna possibly even have interest rate easing i i just don't see that happening i don't know where that's coming from actually i was really surprised surprised to see that basically projected in the trading markets i i don't think we're seeing interest rate cuts anytime soon well i, I think that's become to your point become painfully obvious to the traders themselves i think i think recently the, the, yeah exactly within the last week or two i think that the uh you know the air has fully come out of that balloon of you know oh right we're going to get some sort of you know rate cut um you know to to potentially uh combat you know a, a recession the recession is likely to happen i don't know that the rate cuts go along with that correct that's kind of an after the fact sort of thing I right you're gonna end right, up seeing right Eventually, we'll, we'll see an economic. I mean, we're seeing an economic slowdown now. We'll see if that economic slowdown accelerates because at some point there's that breaking point between rates, the inflation rate, and then also how much pain you're willing to take 
as far as a downturn goes. And, you know, you can only go so long. So is the Fed, Fed has a really tough job. I don't, I don't envy those guys at all because if you're thinking about how they're going to handle this, either they raise interest rates into this, what we consider to be astronomically high rate, and then you do end up having a meaningful recession, and then you've got to go backwards and cut. And at, at that time, you hope that inflation has come meaningfully down because we could see a higher inflation environment right. where we see growth just dissipate and inflation stays sovereignly high. I think that's your worst case scenario is they do all of these things to try to raise interest rates, get the inflation rate down. We go into a recession, perhaps in the U.S., perhaps globally then, and then inflation still stays persistently high. And then what do you do? Yeah, and, and I think there's a few things to understand that maybe people have lost touch with, um, and because the Fed is now you know front and center on most uh, you know publications and and uh, you know just just topics in general in, in our industry, the Fed has two jobs, right? The Fed has two jobs. That's by mandate. Their job is to um, kind of manage as best they can unemployment and manage inflation. That that the, you know the money supply. That's that's basically the, the job of the Fed, and so I think what what people lose sight of in that is that the Fed's job is not to make sure the market goes up. The Fed frankly doesn't really care if the market goes up or not, right? The Fed's job, and they've make, been clear on this in the last few weeks, and Powell said said as much at, at Jackson Hole. Um, we we don't really care if we if, if the the the. the the byproduct of whatever happens for us fighting inflation is what it is. We're going to fight inflation and we'll figure out the rest of it later. And I think that that's becoming painfully obvious to traders and investors that uh, the Fed's job is not to keep the market propped up. The Fed's job is to fight inflation. And if that comes at the expense of the market, well, that's how it goes. I think, I think that's kind of what they've telegraphed to this point to the markets. And I think the market is now starting to actually realize that uh a this is not going to be a short-lived thing and b this isn't going to be something that has a very that has a a clean exit if you will i agree with you 100 percent. you know and the, the fed has overshot it before and i think that the risk is probably that they undershoot it rather than overshoot it because the right. pressure will be really high once you start seeing some of these interest rates you're going to be shocked by how high these short-term interest rates get because we're nowhere near the inflation rate that we need to be at. I mean, you're talking about year-over-year inflations coming in at, you know, four times what we were used to. And so in order to get that, you know, some have said, and if you actually look at historics, if the federal funds rate gets close to matching the inflation rate, that would be about right for kind of that equilibrium. Now, that's totally oversimplified. So take that with a somewhat of a grain of salt. But if you do look at the chart, that's historically what has happened. When we've seen inflation running higher, you see that the federal funds rate goes up to, to meet that. I mean, we would have to be at like over 8% right now in the federal funds rate to do that. I mean, that is... And right now you're at two and a quarter to two and a half. Yeah. So really it's nothing right now. Right. So we need to go up significantly higher, in my opinion... I think we need to go up significantly higher in the federal funds rate, and that's going to kind of throw things off for a bit. So, I mean, if you're a if you're an investor, you know, you've got to understand that we might see some some rocky moments in here. But you know, as soon as inflation starts to wane meaningfully, 
you'll start to see the market rally again. I mean, there's a lot of good things to see in here. And as long as the Fed doesn't have to go to some crazy spot, I, I think we're going to be okay. But it's, it is going to take some time. This isn't like next quarter, all of a sudden, our inflation rate is going to be down to 2.5%. I mean, this is not how this works. So, you know, because you're also getting year-over-year year numbers. So, you know, if you have three huge numbers and then you have one that's, that's you know, just zero or it's down some, it's not going to have that big an impact on the overall number. But as you get quarter by quarter by quarter and the inflation rate kind of dissipates and kind of goes down again, then you're, start, you're going to start to see some momentum there. So the rate's actually going to look higher than you think for longer. Uh, but if it's moving down quickly, that's a really good sign. When we think back to like the 70s, right? We literally fought inflation for the better part of an, an entire decade. And then for a portion of the decade that that was the 1980s, right? So typically speaking, when you fight inflation and you fight it, um, you know, when it, when it really is ugly, which I think most people would argue that it is ugly right now, this isn't typically a, a fight that is measured in months. It's measured in years. And so we'll see where ultimately it goes, but I, I don't, you don't have to look too far back at, at the, uh, at history to see periods of time where it was years and years that, 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 uh, you know, the fed was fighting it to try to get it back under control. So I, I, I agree with where you're coming from the idea that this is just all of a sudden going to go in. I think we're so used to things, you know, kind of fixing themselves in short periods of time. I think people have lost sight of, of how protracted these things can become. Right. So you, you look at even like, you know, the ugliness that the market went through during COVID. I mean, that, that was a, that was a blink. I mean, literally within what two two months, it was it was it was kind of back to 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 where it was, right? And even oh eight oh nine, um, th that was not a long drawn out period of time. I mean, the, the, you know the the market, you know, started getting getting hit in in you know mid oh eight, and by what April of oh nine, it was starting to recover already. So I, I don't know that people understand. You, you remember you were doing this this job. Um, back in the tech bubble, I mean, that, that, that was a, that was more of a long drawn out deal. And I don't think people remember that that was not a two month blip. No, it was three consecutive down years when the tech bubble burst. Some people have said that we have, you know, certain, I would call it uh, moments that look a lot like that, you know, as far as valuations, valuations didn't quite get that stretched even during COVID. And but, we're not projecting that that's going to happen. No, we're not projecting that. We're, we're just happen. saying these these things don't always just take care of themselves in a couple months. That's exactly right. Well, think for it for a moment too. I mean, one of the common you know narratives that you hear out there is, well, we should just pump more gas, you know, because we have supply issues. So let's just pump a bunch more gas. It's like, okay, that sounds great. I mean, there are ways that we can get more gas, you know, going. You know, we can try to increase supplies through some of our our neighbors and you know, Saudi Arabia, things like that, and, and talk to OPEC and try to get production up that way. We can pump as much as we can. But, you know, if you're talking about meaningful sort of things, I mean, you have to finish pipelines and you have to, you know, get leases and you have to actually go through and build these incredibly expensive refineries. And it just doesn't happen overnight. Right. This would be four or five years in the future before anything would even come online in all likelihood. Natural gas can get pumped faster, but like your standard, you know, stuff that goes in cars, I mean, you're talking about, that's going to be years and years. Um, so, you know, it, it's just one of those situations where it's not so simple. 
and it's going to take some time. Uh, we will get better supply chain. Um, well, the supply chains will heal some, I would say. Yep. And so I do think that we're going to get to that point where supply will get better. And then demand will probably lessen as inflation continues to eat away from that and also interest rates continue to go up. You will start to see a natural, uh, you'll, you'll start to see that demand will come down a bit as well. And whether that trips over into recessionary times, we think that's likely, but you know, maybe down the road, it won't happen like right now, but it may happen in the future. Yes. I mean, you look at where we're at right now, you know, oil is, is trading as of, you know, this minute, you know, in, in the low to mid eighties per barrel. Right. I mean, that was what, 110, 115 a barrel, not even a couple months ago. Right. So, I mean, to your point, you know, we're through the summer driving season. So that, that typically, you know, brings gas and oil prices down. You have less people just traveling in general because kids are back in school and those things are, are, you know, making it so that demand comes down a little bit. Uh, but I think you're right. I mean, we're not, we're not fighting this supply problem by, by creating more supply in the next, you know, X number of days, weeks, or months. I mean, that, that's not, we're not going to solve it that way. But I think what we, what we also need to be aware of is that within any market and within any, um, period of time, there are opportunities and opportunities get created that maybe didn't exist a year ago or even a couple months ago. You know, right? So you have the you know ten year Treasury bond right now that's trading at around three and a quarter. Um, that means you're actually starting to get a meaningful rate of return on you know fixed products, uh, which will ultimately trickle down to CDs and things like that. Again, that hasn't happened for a long time. That's an opportunity that that. that that people can think about and, and, you know, talk to your advisors about, because maybe there's something there that you can look at that wasn't, that, that wasn't an attractive, there wasn't anything that was attractive by way of, of, you know, fixed yield, uh, in bonds or CDs, uh, in, in the last 15 years, 10, 10 years, strong 10 years, you know, and now we're starting to see it be more attractive. So there are opportunities that, that will grow, even in times of, of ugliness. And, you know, that is definitely one area of opportunity that I think people are, are somewhat losing sight of. Yeah. It's a decent nominal rate of return. Obviously real rates have turned are, are quite right. bad, but right. I mean, think about it this way. So it's easy to say that, okay. You know, and I've said this in the past too, you know, Hey, any money you got sitting in your you know, checking or savings account is losing money and it loses basically the rate of inflation. Right. Right. Well, is that true? Yes, that's true. I mean, Okay, now now we can earn a little bit more on that. So say we earn three percent and in our CDs, or um, you know we figure out a way to buy some treasury bonds, things like that. And then you know the inflation rate's eight. Okay, well we're losing five there. Well, think about it another way. If you think about that as an an invested asset, and you compare it to your stocks, say your stocks are down fifteen percent, but you know what's still there? Inflation. Right. So right now your stocks, right. you know, if you want to think of what's a real rate of return for stocks, then, you know, nominally they're down, maybe I'm just giving this for example, but nominally if they're down 15% and you have still the same inflation, yeah, I mean, you're still down that rate of inflation as well. So, you know, when people say that bonds aren't, aren't working, well, they're not, you know, it's not great for bonds right now, because especially long-term bonds, but I mean, really short-term bonds and checking and savings accounts, sometimes in these environments, not bad to have a little extra cash on hand. You never yep. know. Um, you know, and, and yes, it's going to lose to inflation, but at least you're not losing a bunch of, um, you know, real value as well uh, to it. So, 
you know, you're at least holding the line on some of it um, and losing only to inflation because in both ways you're losing to inflation. Now, if stocks go up by 30%, they say, oh, it's a great inflation hedge. You're like, yeah, well, long term, but short term, sometimes stocks can be just a lousy investment right. when you're talking about related to inflation. Yeah, I mean, it it, it, it kind of hits on one of the, the hallmarks that we've always tried to, to live by in managing money, which is just play better defense, right? You know, it, it's it's not always about playing better offense. In a lot of cases, it's about playing better defense. And essentially, what we mean by that is when the market goes through two periods of time like it is right now, and the interest rate environment is what it is right now, how can you play good defense? How can you lose less in down markets? How can you take advantage of the things that are still producing positive rates for return in down markets? So a lot of times it's it's not just it's it's more important in times like this to pay attention to what's going on in your allocation and and rebalancing and doing things like that than it is even in up markets because it's very easy in markets like this for people to just, just kind of tune out and go oh I'm not even going to look at this anymore I'm not going to pay attention to this anymore well you have to pay attention enough to be able to play good defense and I think that that's that's where we're at right now with uh, with the market. And I agree. I, I don't know that we're going to necessarily just turn around and see positive stock returns in, in you know, two months. That's, that's, it's hard to see that that environment exists right now. It doesn't mean that everybody should bail on stocks, but it just means that we're going to see some headwinds in the stock markets, uh, both domestically and internationally for, for, you know, a little while now. We may. We might, you know, and it doesn't mean that we're going to lose a bunch of money. It might just mean that we're going to, we're just going to be choppy, flat kind of sideways market for a while. We've had had that kind of head fake recently, you know, when the markets rallied hard and then it seemed to look like a bit oversold and then you're okay. You know, and now it's, it's kind of treading water again. You know, we'll see where it stands at the end of the year. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if the market's down 25%. I wouldn't be surprised if the market is even. At the end of the year, yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, and this is this is why, and especially during times like this, when anybody tells you that they know what's going on in the market, and even even you know, we we joke about this sometimes, you know the 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 doomsdayers, the you know Jeremy Grantham and and you know um, Oriel Rabini, Rabini, my least favorite um, economist. I mean, you know, it's the, it's these guys' time to shine because you know they 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 call for you know, the, the the tongue in cheek, you know. Uh, uh, you know, jab at those guys as they've predicted correctly predicted you know 15 of the last five recessions um because if you just keep predicting bad things are going to happen once something bad happens you go see i was right and so i think ultimately what we need to be aware of this is just because the market is going through periods of time that 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 is not ideal for for any investor uh it doesn't mean that these people know what is going to come in the next six months they weren't necessarily right because they called for negative things to happen and negative things happen because they also called for negative, negative things to happen for the last literally five years straight, and those didn't happen. So, be careful, just kind of under you know falling under the 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 illusion that anybody out there that's on TV or writing in a newspaper knows what's going to happen. They don't. It's not. It's not even the fact that we even still talk about things like that are, are a little silly, in my opinion. We always talk about the headlines that have to be written about the market every day. Right. Like today, they were writing about you know. Traders, uh, the Dow is up 100 points, and it's because uh, traders are shaking off information about interest rates. You're like, 100 points is like a rounding error. Anything could cause the Dow to go up or down by 100 points. Now, if the Dow is down 2,000 or up 2,000, you know, that's maybe a headline actually impacts that. But in most cases, when you read that the Dow is up and they got to give a story for it, they don't know what they're talking about. Right. 
Right, the Wall Street Journal still needs a headline every single day. They're just guessing. And they're guessing as to why the market did what it did that day. Uh, to your point, like, yes, in some in some days, right, you can point to a specific thing, right, if the Fed surprises the, the, the market with something or something unexpected happens geopolitically. Okay, right, you can point to something and be like, this is the reason why it happens. Yeah, or Apple had really strong earnings or sure, something like right. that. Okay, that might be a catalyst Absolutely. for the day. Right. A catalyst for that stock, and it doesn't necessarily mean that all the stocks are going to follow it, but... Some days, sometimes it does. Okay, well, now maybe the whole tech sector will do well because Apple had good earnings, and now they think everybody else is going to follow in the tech sector with better than expected earnings. Right, so so to that so, point, right, so you should you should literally have a, a meaning, you should have a headline, like, well, you know, whatever, once a week. You should not have a headline every day because that assumes then that something happens every day, and there's a lot of days in the market where it just did what it did, and it wasn't. It was kind of a meaningless day from from movement standpoint. So it just kind of did what it did, right? I mean, it's it, it's a ridiculous it's a ridiculous you know uh, requirement to assume that every newspaper and every television show needs to have some sort of headline to explain what happened that day. It would literally be the, the same as, as getting in your car and driving from Madison to Milwaukee and, and feeling you, like you needed to describe what happened every single mile. Is that like every time our moms get in the car and Dude. point out a sign? I mean, that's it, literally what it is. I mean, that's, that's what's kind of what it's like, what they're doing. Kinda, they're basically yeah. saying, this is what happened in the last 12 seconds. Well, okay, great. I mean, that doesn't mean anything to anybody. Nine minutes ago here, CNBC, Dow gains as Wall Street looks past Powell's comments signaling future rate hikes. It, it was up 65 points. On a $31,000 or 31,000 point market. Or 0.19%. The S&P 500 rose 0.2% and the NASDAQ advanced 0.14%. That has nothing to do it's insane. with Powell's comments at how all. How could you how would you be able to disseminate any with it with any level of, of, of accuracy why the market moved fifty points in a day? Like that th- there again, that's to my point. Today today's a day that should not have a headline. It should just be like it was a normal day in the market. You just you just move on. It's not something that, that even requires writing about it. Stock market existed today. Stock that's market it. did not fall off the map today. Yep. Okay, great. That That's an accurate statement. But <laughs> Nothing really happened to the stock market. Yeah, it's fine. Like, like, just write nothing else. Just right. like, it was fine. That's it's, what they should just write. And it was fine. It It's what it is, right? I mean, it, is, is, it, is it shocking? It would be like literally like writing a headline for the weather every single day. Yep, today was a pretty basic day. Sunny and uh, yeah, pretty pretty good day. Okay, Moved great. to Southwest Florida. So, uh, <laughs> the same weather every day. That's true. Today's going to be 88 and tomorrow is going to be 89. Right. I mean, that's Back literally to what it's like to, to write a headline about the market every single day. That's what it is. And I the, the, the thing that bothers me the most is when we've, we, we took, at some point, I don't know when it happened, but at some point we took economists who the the job of an economist, the, the study of of economics, which is funny to me because it's a social science. It's not. It's not considered a business major. No, it's considered a major in the social sciences, i.e., humanities, psychology, sociology. That's where it falls, which is which is interesting to me. But anyways, economists' job was to something would happen, and then they would tell us kind of why it happened and and when it started and when it ended and, and all this. The minute we started to make economist prognosticators telling us what was going to happen and not what happened and explaining why it happened from a kind of a historical and contextual standpoint, 
that's where everything went to hell because the minute you started to make these people like television stars and people started relying on them to predict the future, which was never an economist's job. That job, an economist's job is not to predict the future. It's to tell you when a recession started and ended, and you don't even have that until the data has come in long after it ended. It's silly to me that we've turned these people into prognosticators. We have too. Yeah, because they have well, to show up on CNBC or right. Fox Business or whatever, you you know, take your pick. doesn't really right. matter. Right, doesn't, right. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they're all showing up there and they go, what happened? And right. Norio, Norio Rovini tells us that all, everything is going to be bad. And yep. it's like, you don't know anything. You've totally been wrong on everything. So, you know, I don't, I don't quite understand, you know, why we put up these guys on a pedestal. And I say guys, cause it's mostly guys. But it's, it's frustrating because it, it's not that's, that that was never what they were designed to do. And I think that ultimately it, it, it's a negative overall because it, it creates a, a, again, an illusion that, that somebody, anybody that they put up on TV, this person must know what's going to happen tomorrow. They have absolutely no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Because if they did, they would not be on TV. They would have already made an, you know more than enough lifetime worth of money profiting on their knowledge being that they're still working every day is a pretty good indication that they don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But you know what? If CNBC or, or Bloomberg or Fox Business wants to call me up and talk, I'm right there. You're going Very on? available. Very available. You're going to make yourself available? Very make myself available. I'll tell you about the future of RAs. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just be like- I'll prognosticate on that. That's right. They'll be like, say something about this. And I'll be like, fine, I will. Just Just realize that whatever I say, you know- don't hold me to it. It is funny though that they literally like just the, do it for the, ratings. The show will tell them what they want them to say, and they'll more or less say that, and and they'll more or less be given the question that they're going to be asked. I mean, it, it, it's so fake. It's 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 so silly. It's it's kind of a ridiculous. You know, the the, the answers are almost like written for them. It's kind of a silly. If yeah, you, I mean, they need the point counterpoint, so right? They, exactly. they need that sort of fight if they got two people on. Right. One, you know, they're talking about a stock, and right. one guy's got to take the bullish, and one guy's got to take the bearish view, and. You know, as long as neither one of them has a position in it, well, then they're just talking, right? So it's theatrics for TV. It is, it is theatrics. It's a television show. It is. It's like yeah. the WWE South Park episode. It's all acting. It's all acting. It literally, I was also thinking about the South Park, and it's gone. That sort of thing. And it's gone. <laughs> you put your money in a high yielding, and it's gone. <laughs> That's By the way, I have to bring this up because I saw this. Speaking of just financial journalism. As someone with a journalism background, I think this is a very interesting topic, but there was an article, I think it was in Barron's, about uh, this 17-year-old has been investing since she was 10, and this is she's, Gen Z is experiencing their first bear market. It's like, yeah, Gen Z is like 18 years old. I mean, they've got 50 more years to go. You'll be fine. Just crushing. Right. I hope, I hope she's selling everything and just... She's like, she invested in a Roth IRA when she was 10, her first stock. Again, like it, you weren't. She wasn't truly investing since the age of ten. I mean, no. What bothers me about a story like that, know. right, is that that's a great story, but but write it the correct way. Go, hey, here's here's a kid that recognized that like long term savings is really important. She decided to start putting some money away. The long term growth on this is going to be fantastic. Like write it the correct way. Don't write it like she's a trader. Like that that's insane to me. Like she's not a stock trader. And even if she is, that's written the wrong way. Like celebrate the fact that she's doing long term investing and she recognizes as a young person that that's important. Great. That that's a good story. That's something that other people can get information about and learn from. Like to to act like she's some sort of like hot shot stock trader is okay. It just reminds me of the uh, so silly great Twitter account to follow, New York Times Pitchbot. 
just all the all the ludicrous stories. I mean, you're a, you know you're a finance or a, a publication of any kind. You're bound to write stories that are terrible. But I think New York Times tends to be the renowned one with just like just crazy stories with weird sources. New York Times Pitchpot, great stuff. Just like you know, we went to uh, or we wanted to find out what investors think about the economy, so we went to a Dave Matthews Band concert and interviewed some people. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not even that's that's probably like dulled down for what New York Times Pitchbot actually. John Mulaney's got a great bit on the New York Post who said that he said that it's basically like a newspaper that's written by somebody that like stops you on the street like after being out of breath and tells you what happened. (laughs) 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 Like there was a car accident over there. (laughs) That's basically the New York Post. (laughs) Was that in his uh, special? That you went to? Uh, or is that a show? No. That, Are you allowed to talk about that? I don't know if you're allowed uh, to. Uh, uh, yes. Talk about it. You just can't you know, bring can't a phone or it. anything. Yeah. Or they your took, watch. They took my watch away from me. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. your watch? Yeah. They weren't messing around. And oh, I tried it's because like, the audio. And I tried to like kind of BS my way through it. And the guy was like, nope, sorry. You know, and they were like, nope, that's it. They shut that down. But I don't think he's, the, he's not the only one that does that. Uh, we went to a... Uh, Wasn't it a concert of some kind? We went to a recent concert. Yeah, Jack White. Jack White, thank you. Yeah, Yeah. Jack White, same thing. Yeah, so there's an interesting company that creates these, like, they're like canvas pouches, right? And you get one when you walk in the the concert. You put your phone in and they they lock it, like... almost like a uh, like a clip on a shirt that you buy from a store and it has the like the security clip or whatever on it mm-hmm. and then when you leave you run it past like this magnetic thing and then it opens again so you they don't take your phone away from you you have it in your pocket but it's just inside of like this canvas pouch and then when you leave you have to just like run it by the thing and then you throw the canvas pouch back in the box or whatever and that's that I'm gonna create the company that's the antidote for that company that unlocks them during the show Interesting. Well, there are designated areas in the con- in the arena where you can go and use your phone. So you can go and they'll unlock it for you, but you have to stay in that area, and then you know that's that's how that goes. Because I was like, that that's a little bit concerning, like especially like if you're like a young parent and you're like, oh, my, like babysitters at home with your kid or something. I mean, okay, then what? You know, I mean, that that's a little bit of a concerning. It, it definitely felt weird. It felt interesting to not have my phone or my watch or anything to be like, wow, it's a very odd feeling. It's like sleeping without your, uh, I don't know if you guys sleep with your phone in your, your bedrooms, but removing your phone from your bedroom, when I did that, I was like, wow, this is, I feel weird about this. Oh, I, just feel I don't empty. think I like that idea. Yeah, it's right next Slept to better bed. though. Slept better. I get that. I, I cannot look at my phone in the middle of the night. I just can't do that. Cause then I'm just, I'm, I'm off. There's no way. Oh, you can't. No, no, I can't oh. look at it. Middle of the night, middle of the night phone looking is the worst thing you ever could do. For oh, your sleep. Yeah, no, I, I, oh, I do that all the time. Bro. Just stop. No way, that's don't. probably like a <laughs> once a week for me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, my sleep focus. You turn that on, you do like, <laughs> you lock that, every time you lock it down. Yeah. No, see this, this is my favorite time of the year to do it because I, I checked the waiver wire for fantasy football leagues at like two in the morning when, when, all of those transactions happen. I literally will wake up at two in the morning and look at my phone to see if I got the player I wanted. <laughs> Didn't fall back asleep that night, sleep. but you know, Awful. got the player. It doesn't matter as long as I got the guy that I wanted. So that's you know, that's where we're at. By the way, this is one of the longest podcasts we've had since I've been here. We're at uh, pushing forty minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we've covered a lot of ground too. It's good. Okay. It's good. Now Dan's going to have to edit it. Oh, he's going to have no, to. No, edit no, it. No, this is audio only. I just slapped this bad boy uh, a little uh, disclaimer on the back end, and we're good. All right.
That's great. I don't yeah, even have to right. do that if I play it at the end either. I could just, you know. All right. No editing required. Well, well so we can keep going. If Danny, you, as long no. As you want. no. Cue up thanks. the disclosure. Thanks. Thanks, Dan. Thanks oh. for ending it. Well, you guys seem disappointed that you All wanted to. Right. Uh, I guess that's how it's going to be. Going. Talk to you later, guys. Thanks a lot. <laughs> Walkner Accountant Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walkner Accountant Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.